Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. And today we're going to be talking with Meg Matthews, founder of Meg's Menopause, her new beauty line dedicated to products that help alleviate the symptoms of menopause. And I'm also joined by Lisa Payne, Senior Editor of Beauty at Stylus, to discuss how all brands need to be more aware of the needs and concerns of older consumers generally and the opportunities for engagement in this traditionally underserved market. So first of all, Meg, could you tell us a little bit about Meg's Menopause, what drove you to to start it? Okay, so Meg's Menopause um, was set up really organically and was just set up because I went through the worst menopause ever, had no idea what the menopause was. Um, All the symptoms I had did not tick any boxes like in my psyche that that was the menopause to me the menopause was just hot sweats or hot flushes and no periods which the two things that basically were not happening to me my symptoms were loss of libido uh and um, loads of anxiety, foggy brain, aching joints, dry mouth syndrome, feeling nauseous, no energy, um, like um, lack of sleep. So all these. But so for me, I just thought that my very rock and roll 90s lifestyle had really caught up with me and everything that I'd done throughout those years. I was like very sex, drugs, rock and roll and raving and doing all those things that when I sort of hit sort of 48, 49, so I just thought, my God, everything I'd done throughout my 20s and 30s had finally caught up with me because I remember my mum saying this will all catch up with you one day and so I was just like really sort of like embarrassed and I just thought what what do I share this with so when I went to my GP like I was in floods of like tears going I don't know what's happening to me he just gave me antidepressants and then he gave me antidepressants so for two years I was just given antidepressants nothing, nothing to do with like hormones. So I had no idea. Then all of a sudden, after lots of, of um, I won't say lots of reading, lots of talking because I don't really read. I have ADHD and I'm dyslexic. So I was not going to pick up a book or start researching. Mine happened just very organically um, at a meeting. I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I went to AA and I was talking and oh, I can't take on life. Someone came up to me and said uh, to one side after the meeting, said, have you thought that you may be going through the menopause? And I was like, no, me? That's not me. Look at me. I mean, that's a, just a little old lady with a walking stick, really frail, gray hair, you know, tottering around like my grandma, you know, with a little cup of tea. I said, don't be silly. And then it sort of, the light bulb struck on. And then she said... Just go. If you really are thinking, what have you got to lose? So then I went to see my GP and I asked if I could be referred to a menopause clinic, which I never knew existed in this country. There's only 27 in the whole of UK and there's 13 million women going through the menopause today in the UK. So... um, this is how it just organically grew. And then from that, I was just like, thought, oh, I'm going to do an Instagram. And then I did a website. I launched my website in January 2018. By May, I'd already had over a million hits within that time. So I knew that there, and I was just writing all my experiences, you know, just like what, everything that I was going through. And just the the amount of women emailing and messaging me was amazing. And then throughout this time, I then came on to my products. 
That's amazing. And that's really great confirmation of the fact that this is an underserved market. So you were talking about in the UK that many. By 2020, Mm. more than 50 million women will be 51 or older. So the average age for the menopause in the US alone. So this is, you know, there's, there's not a lot of statistics about how well menopausal products in either beauty or health are doing at the moment. But just speaking to those particular statistics, like it's it's a huge market. It's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one that we really need to bring taboo and the stigma we really need to talk about. So with even with we're talking about it all bringing up with the products. So how my products worked was um, I basically walked around some um, main places. So I would like walk around boots. And for instance, I have lots of teenage kids in my house. So for me, I didn't want... So KY gel meant anal sex to me. And Durex means um, basically meant, you know, very young teenage sex you know it's all bright purple and pink and everything so I just wanted next to my bed something that was pretty something that was vegan also something that was natural stroke organic that was really important to me and also that it was not made in plastic and all my products are made out of sugarcane husk I think it's 97% the only problem is they haven't just made the lids yet the pump so that is the extra 3% so and I'm very proud of that also it's all made in the UK and it's all packaged packaged in the UK and if someone like me can do it then I really wish that all those big companies would also do the same so what with the with the lubricant I wanted something that was next to the bed that didn't shout out lubricant and sex because you know it's it's like you just don't want that and also when you're walking around these um these um, uh, boots and different places, you have to go over there for your lubricant, you have to go over there for this and you have to go over there for that. Now, even me being whatever, a 53-year-old woman, I do not know why even buying, say, I don't buy condoms anymore, but I did do so. Say even buying condoms, why would I feel embarrassed, you know what I mean, which you do. Why even buying a packet of tampons? I asked women and one out of three said so they were still feel embarrassed standing in the queue. So let alone the stigma that goes with the menopause, I wanted the whole range to look pretty and pink. And if you look at it and see it, which I'm sure that if you go on my you will, it's just just doesn't shout out menopause. Also, my big thing was wherever it's sold, it's to be sold all together. And at last, Boots in Covent Garden have put it all together, so which is like be- f- in beauty, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. in yeah, it's in Woman Wellness Center. Yeah. But but it's the first time because you know as you're going to be you have to go everywhere for something else. Mm. The other thing um I I did was um a vaginal intimate wash. And this was because another thing that I only learned in the menopause is that I thought Frem Fresh or Vaggie Fresh or any of these out there, these other products. Um, number one, they weren't that natural. I think they are now. I think they're starting to. But number two, I thought they were for people that had, I'm going to say all this, smelly fannies or something like this. I had no idea that you had to look after your pH balance of your vagina. Now, I had no idea this, and I think I'm quite a woman of the world. But I had no idea about this. So for years, I'd see this. Also, then I thought, if I've got it in my shower and um, and then it's also in Anais's shower now and it's, it's all around the house, when you look at it, you just don't know what it is. It just looks like a really nice, it doesn't say that, femme fresh, vaggy fresh, vaggy cell, whatever, all those other words, which basically just, you just do think instantly when you look at those things, you don't know that it's for your pH balance. You just think, oh, got something wrong with them or, you know, and you 
you do. Exactly. I think you do. You have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And pH, pH is such a, a buzzword right now in beauty. So pH of the scalp, the skin, the intimate skin, all of that type of stuff. It's really resonating with with consumers at the moment because good, it does good, good. That's yeah. What I like to hear. yeah. <laughs> but why do you feel like it is so important to break the stigma um, around the menopause? Because this, to, to break the stigma is because I had the worst, the the like I said, the worst one, and um, and I just thought, well, if I I also was able to um, uh, afford and be able to to spend a bit of time looking at what was going on with me once I found out, and I wanted to make it a lot easier. So the also everything I do, I do on the NHS. I don't do anything private because I just feel that that is not would not reach the demographic as well. That's also why my products they're at their price point that they are because I wanted them to be available. You know, it's I wanted them to be that if you're a, ma, a person doing her weekly shop as my mum used to do, she used to get a weekly budget. I think as the way of the world is now, that's also still happening. I wanted the lady to be able to pop a few things in her shopping basket without her husband or a partner going what you've just spent 45 pounds on a face cream you've just spent 45 pound on a <laughs> you know I wanted it to be 10 pound 15 pounds which what it is which you can pop in um, just in your shopping and it would not be noticed the other thing I did which um, no one has done before well, and I'm very proud of this, is my Menno blend. So I basically uh, take a lot of vitamins and a lot of superfoods. Now, when you open up my cupboard, I would spend a lot of money in places like Revital and Whole Foods on a lot of, and also I'm very particular about, you know, cheap um, vitamins and expensive vitamins and also superfoods. So what I managed to do was I took everything out of my cupboard, took it to the people that I wanted to make. So I took all my vitamins and all my superfoods. So my maca, my corella, my wheatgrass. If you buy these all individually and I added it up, it would probably be two, three, four hundred pounds a pop, you know, especially when you're buying good brands of yeah. vitamins. I don't want to go and say some brands where you can go and buy them, but they're, they're just not that good. So, you know, I always wanted a good magnesium. I wanted a good Corella. I wanted a good superfood, a good hyaluronic acid. So I managed to put all this into one sachet. Yeah, we did find it hard because I've got lots of greens and colours and everything, and I didn't want any dyes in there, and I didn't want any shitty berry flavours. I wanted everything natural. You know, everything tastes of bloody berries or pineapple or something like that. And I'm over that and I didn't want it. So it comes out a little bit grey, but it's it's a really nice. And you froth it up and I don't do dairy. So you make it with oat milk or with or hemp milk or rice milk or almond milk. And so for nearly a pound a day, you can put this whole sachet in and you will get everything and it tastes like a vanilla milkshake. Amazing. And also, it's, it's, and also, it's not just anyone could take it. My daughter takes it. Um, you know, my partner takes it. Everyone takes it. But I mean, everything I made was for the menopause because it was just what I felt that was missing for women in in the menopause that uh, you know who couldn't afford it. So that's the reason I did made my, and that's why I was very specific that I wanted to be a certain price point. How about Christian taking your Menno blend? Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> I might have a go. I might just all drop you some over then. <laughs> He's a new dad for a second time. I think he needs all the help he can get. <laughs> this will give you every bit of energy you need. I just wanted to go back briefly to the to the discussion about the stigma around this because it's taken a ludicrously long time 
for brands to sort of start talking about these things. I mean, I think only in the last couple of years have body form stopped using the strange blue liquid that they used to use to pretend uh, to show how absorbent their pads were and have started using one that's red because that's the colour of blood. Um, and, you know, and it's, you know, we're almost at 2020. It's a ridiculous amount of time for brands to be still pussyfooting around these issues. Why, why do you think it is that, that, that people are scared of talking about this stuff from from an from a industry perspective? Right, okay, I'm so glad you brought this up because I would love to say this, that basically uh, the British Advertising Association, you're not allowed to say the word menopause. So on TV, I could not. Have you ever noticed why you have a tenor lady and there's a woman jumping around, but I had no idea what that was about. Did anyone know that one out of three women in the menopause, the her- will get a collapsed pelvic floor. That is why there's ten a lady out there. So wow. uh, did we ever know you see this grey-haired lady jumping around the field in between Lorraine and this morning? Did anyone ever know that's the reason why, that one in three women will basically leak, will, will have um, their pelvic floor will leak? So this is not put out there. But the British menopause, uh, the British Advertising Association, you're not allowed to say the word menopause the same way as I'm not, I would... On QVC, I'm not allowed to say the word menopause either. Now, how ridiculous is this? So uh, it's a huge thing that I'm very passionate about. I'm trying to go there with the newspapers and say, how come we're not allowed to say the word menopause on an advert? So if I went and put my my products on, it's like they don't say menstrual. If you notice, everything is around. That's the reason. It's because it's not allowed. I can say it actually on Lorraine, but when it goes into the advert, I could not speak and say menopause. But your brand is called Meg's Menopause. Yeah, so they basically would just have MM up there. You know, they wow. wouldn't. They would say, this is for a woman in a later life. It would all be around that. The same way as on QVC, I wasn't allowed to say it. So that's why I'm not on QVC, because I'm very passionate. And how could I just say, okay, I'll be on QVC, but I won't say menopause. Or, you know what I mean? It takes everything away. I'm trying to change the stigma and the taboo. So there's a very interesting point, don't you think? We're yeah. in 2020, and that's the reason why. You that's know, crazy. Even in my packaging, everyone was like, oh, can we just sort of maybe step back from the menopause? And, you know, I had a lot when I was, you know, making, I was absolutely going to stand my stance and not move from and talk about the menopause. But this seems nuts to me when it's obvious that so many more people are engaging with this. Like, I, I know that I, I, I listened to you on another panel um, previously and you were talking about how five years ago no one would have come to a menopause party. No. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I everybody there. And now yeah. you had cues around the block, yeah. you know, what is a menopause party? What are people doing at these parties and why does it mean so much to them? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was my launch, okay, so my website, and I was a bit like... I'm going to just be, you know, going to go out there. I'm going to do the best launch party. Now, I even admitted five years ago, I would not have gone to one, you know, but five years ago, I wasn't going through it. Five years ago, I wasn't that passionate. Also, to tell the truth is when a few friends of mine were going through it, I did sort of go, this ain't going to happen to me. It's silently in the back of my head. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not really going to happen to me. And when it hit me, it was probably one of the worst things that's ever happened in my life. So it affected everything in my life. So I was just a bit like, wow, I just thought I was... You know, I I basically gave birth in an hour and 15 minutes, got up and had a shower. I never had a period pain. I never missed a day off sport. So I was just a bit like, didn't really understand the PMS thing. Like, you know, want to stab your boyfriend and eat pounds of chocolate. This never happened to me. So I just went through, I was just thinking, no, that's really not going to happen to me. And when it did hit me, 
it was frightening. And it was more like, I, you know, oh, my God, my life is over. And that's why I just thought, I'm going to come out there and talk about it. And then that's when I just thought, well, there's no there's no products out there. Why isn't there? And already I'm on phase two, which I, I will, because um, it's all going so well, because I've got so many ideas of what should be out there for the men and women. I'm already on phase two, which is coming together really quickly and really well. So this is good. I think this is really important as well because as someone in her 30s, I'm not thinking about the menopause, or at least I wasn't until I started researching this. And then it was actually like, oh my gosh, actually, yes, it is such a life-changing thing. And for some people, it's, you know, the the symptoms are less and sometimes it's more like from from what you've said, it sounds like a harrowing experience. So as someone in her 30s, I'd love to be able to know now, have more conversations about it with either my mum or older women in my life and just to be able to kind of see if there's anything I can do at this stage, whether it's eating, changing my diet, eating more fermented foods or, you know, taking a supplement or, you know, working on my pelvic core or something that I can do to sort of help. Pelvic floor, work on your pelvic floor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, to do these types of things so that, you know, my symptoms are alleviated later on in life. I think this is really important. Yeah, because the statistics, as we know, is that one in a thousand women will become perimenopause in their 30s wow. and one in a hundred in their early 40s. So from the age of 40 to 45, one in a hundred. So when I go and do talks now, so I'm like, say, in uh, Global Women in News and I look around the room, I see lots of women that are in their early 40s. Now, with all the, the 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 way the climate is changing with the amount of pollution, the amount of pesticides we have, the, uh, you know, the amount of don't, you know, what's in our tap water and everything, I'm now seeing more of a fertility thing as well. So basically yeah. as I'm doing this, it's more turning into, my talks are turning half into sort of making women aware that don't wait too long because lots of women are having to turn to IVF. Lots of women because they're basically not not really engaging in they're just you know working longer you know their careers coming first nothing wrong with that but we're now seeing that fertility one in a hundred women makes you perimenopausal which just means that basically that you might find it harder to conceive so I'm thinking this is also another thing that we should be putting out there because it's not just oh my god so menopause you imagine uh, the old old woman like I did but it's also something that we should be telling women and sharing with younger women so that they when they come to conceive or whatever, it's, you know, not as hard for them because, um, you know, the um, the um, the ovulation and the losing of the eggs, and I'm not very expert on this, but mm. all, the, all the quality of the eggs, uh, it's all about that. And it basically, you know, from 40 to 45, it can diminish very quickly. Lisa, um, I just wanted to ask, in terms of, other areas where where brands and media are starting to focus on issues for older women and older people generally beyond the menopause are we seeing um, a, a better understanding of their needs from brands and media i think so slowly slowly it's starting to change i mean from the beauty perspective there is this really big move away from anti-aging to aging well or you know age love, you know, age celebration. And and I think that that's really exciting. So you can see that coming through with the use of older models, but also, you know, this general feeling of, you know, don't tell me that my aging journey is a bad thing and I should counter it. I want to celebrate it. And I think that a really good example of how this is uh, changing is that um, in 2018, 
searches for going grey naturally on Pinterest increased by 879%. And so wow. I think that that's really exciting. Yeah. And it is, yeah, it's, it's about embracing and celebrating. And I think that that's where some brands are really starting to, to cotton on to that. And, but it needs to change more. But I mean, outside of beauty as well, like there's a lot more media outlets. So magazines like Goldie, Renaissance and Frankie that are all, you know, created by and for women over 50s. And so it's, it's about channeling these values, these ideals um, back into the wider mainstream um, arena. And I think that, you know, not only is it great for those consumers, but it is, again, a huge opportunity for brands because the fasting, fastest growing segment with the highest discretionary spend is the boomer demographic. Um, so The grey yeah. pound. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no longer the pink. No, <laughs> the grey pound now. But exactly. it's interesting, Meg, that you talk, you talk a little bit earlier about, you know, your, your 90s lifestyle. And, yeah. you know, that, you know, our generation, I consider yes. that to, to be <laughs> yeah. our generation. You know, we're, 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 we're not sort of old farts. No. You know what I mean? It's like you sort of get, because we're such a focus on young consumers all the time from brands, they forget that, you know, the 90s generation is a savvy, the generation X generation is a savvy generation. Absolutely. But we kind of got forgotten a bit, you know, amidst, yeah. amidst it all. So do you think that's going to start to change a bit more now as, uh, as you know, brands start to come around to this idea that, oh, actually, these people are, you know, they, they, they have the money and they have the, the nows. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, it, what I'm finding is it so is that most of the editors of the magazines I are, are like my age now, so it's it's tying it in pretty well because I've come out there and started talking about it, and then I get like you know I I sort of forget that the editors are all my age, so everyone who's sort of at a platform to be able to share it or to, or to to help this movement are my age, which is which is really exciting and really good. And also the fact that, you know, I never thought that, you know, Grazia would never have put the menopause in. I mean, you know, the, the demographic, they would never have done, you know, and they put an article in. So that just, just makes me smile when these magazines are the ones that their demographic reading is what, I don't know, like 18 to maybe 30, you'll know more than me. But, you know, they did an article on it, you know, Meg's menopause and, and just so basically just even if a, a person some flicks through that and just say sees a, sees the picture and sees the menopause it's going to plant the seed because for me all I got when I thought of HRT menopause I just had this big bubble that said cancer mm. and that's all that was it you know that would that came into me it was just a bit like when we used to say HIV there was all those adverts it was sort of sort of you know everywhere you looked and it was just worried and it was like death and awful but it's not at all so the same way with the with the menopause it's like you can take HRT it is completely safe and it's and it's and it's amazing and it helps with osteoporosis and also the other statistics that we're looking at is that one in three women will have get osteoporosis which um which is basically brittle bones I'm being diagnosed with osteoporosis in my left hip yeah. with taking HRT it will help my bones and with also with loads of green vegetables and doing good old-fashioned weight training um, and then also we know I work with the British Heart Foundation we know that one in five women in the menopause will die of a heart or a stroke if they're not taking HRT wow. so these statistics are pretty serious as well so it's not really the light you know a light thing to be looking at yeah. it's you know you should be taking it you know we're looking at strokes and heart attacks we're looking at, at collapsing one in three collapsing pelvic floors and we're looking at osteoporosis as well 
Yeah. So, I mean, in my research, I was I was trying to work out a lot of ways that I could sort of help myself now. So eating prunes every day really helps with brittle bones. Oh, great. <laughs> and, um, and I went to a talk at the Japanese embassy that there were, and it was really interesting because they were talking about sake. But they were saying that actually a lot of Japanese women don't experience the symptoms of menopause. And yeah, that's because that's they really eat true, yeah. fermented foods every day. So a little yeah. bit of sake every day <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to counteract <laughs> the menopause. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. That's exactly, yeah. They, they, they say that the Japanese are very, um, that they don't because they're on tofu, they're on soya. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, for us, like you were saying, our generation, you know, we, we, are, we were children of the pesticides. They didn't know anything about pesticides. You know, we, we you know, in the... 70s um you know we have a lot of going against us you know with the pollution with the tap water with everything that's that we eat in our everyday life and everything that we've you know done to ourselves i think you know uh, i think that is why the menopause symptoms also are re- are, are worse than m- what it was when my mum's was because i think we have a lot more stress and also i think as you were saying before i think it's a whole wellness a whole holistic approach not just taking something i think we have to look at everything you have to look at your food mm. your sleep your exercise your lifestyle it's really really important and that like you say is is the bigger picture than you know just slapping on a bit of this or taking a bit of that is really look at every part of your life for the people listening a lot of them are made up of you know brands ceos cmos creatives designers um if they're in this space what should they be doing to address this subject right now well, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to say that again. You know, it's like when you're talking brand consumer, da 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 da. I mean, I what are they going to go out there and do? I just hope that they will go out there and basically start putting out stuff for for the menopause. But for me, I don't want to give too much away. But I just feel that for me, it's 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 more basically um, editorials and um, the government in general. That's what I'd rather say too. Do you know what I mean? That's where my initially, that's what I'm trying to work with. We're trying to get things changed within, like we just got basically the menopause is now going to be talked about in schools. That got changed mm. in the parliament two weeks ago. So uh, two really good friends of mine, um, Diane and Louise, they were the ones that went forward with this. So, and as a menopause um, sort of group of women, we work very closely together and we all stick together. And it's, you know, that's, the, that's a quite an exciting thing about about it so brands and consumers what you need to do is just really support um everything with the menopause i mean it's just it should just be out there should just be like having your period you know um even like you, you're talking to brands and consumers i'm even thinking about more people even even hr basically don't have anything in place for women at work and that's even more so mm. important that's the bit that i struggle with that you go and the air conditioning is still set to a man in his suit in his 60s so i could be here forever more guys <laughs> so you probably want to shut me up <laughs> well i mean i think from if, if i'm thinking from a product perspective i think one of the things that brands do need to be aware of is the fact that they're because you're entering this new area and you know no products have existed on the market before for this um, target market or this particular um, phase in life naturally you're going to have backlash from consumers saying like well why do I need this I've never needed this before oh this is a brand trying to trying to jump on this bandwagon so I think in that space it's about really doing a lot of consumer research consumer testing backing by science and really offering something to you know, this demographic uh, that's actually going to be really useful um, to them rather than anything that's just sort of 
paying lip service, as it were. You summed it up in one, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Lots of practice there. And clearly, a good start would be being able to use the word menopause in advertising, it would seem. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I'd like to thank my guests, Meg Matthew and Lisa Payne, and thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.